You are Locked On AFL, your daily AFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On AFL. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Particularly with a pathetic effort from Pitt. I mean, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big film. That's pretty hard on an individual, but he's going to have to live with that. And alongside me is Josh Lloyd. Lloyd is Lloyd. Lloyd to Lloyd. 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 Kane, contrary to popular belief, I, I was not here yesterday, but it was because I was suspended for a sling tackle. Uh, well, that would have been odd because it doesn't look like people... <laughs> I'm, the are getting... <laughs> I'm the only one. I'm the only one who gets suspended. It doesn't look like people are getting suspended for sling tackles. It's interesting. Yesterday when I uh, recorded the pod, and by the way, uh, it's great to have you back, by the way. Thank you. Uh, obviously, as I said, the people that... I'll follow you on Twitter. Obviously, saw you had some stuff going on, so we're glad to have you back. But yesterday, when I recorded and incoherently rambled on for 25 minutes, I spoke about a few of these tackles, and in particular, the Luke Dalhouse one. And I basically said when I was watching that game the other day that I thought, yeah, he's probably in trouble there. Now, I am shocked that he got off this one and will be free to play. But the one point that I did bring up that I just want to bounce off you here quickly without going over the same topics again, I did say that. In this situation, the Adelaide player was trying to kick the ball, was completely off balance. So it is going to become, or if it isn't already, basically impossible for the tackling player to also control their body. You know what I mean? I mean, they're going to be off balance if they have to dispose of the ball. Obviously, this has changed a little bit with the holding the ball uh, rules. So do you see anything in that? Were you shocked that he got off? Because I, I kind of was. Yeah, look, especially once they pinged uh, Hayden Crozier for one game, um, yeah. whenever that whenever that was back when the Dogs played North Melbourne a few weeks ago. Now, the, the Neil Bullen ones are a little bit different because uh, mm-hmm. he, he got obviously four weeks. But when Crozier's going for one week for that where the guy's arms were free, um, I, I thought for sure Dalhouse, he, he had to get one. This looked to me pinned arm, yeah, sling backwards, um, it, it, yeah, the, the, and not quite a second motion, but there was definitely an arm pin and a sling. I thought he had to go. And I just don't know. It, it's it's like you said, holding the ball. It's like holding the ball. Where I just never know what the result's going to be anymore. Because if you compare those two, there is no way that that Crozier one is more severe than that one. Um, and it, it, I, I just don't know what to say about it. So I think we're basically at the point now where, and they've proven it. Yes, there's going to be odd sort of decisions here or there. I think the Neil Bullen one, was, you know, four weeks was a lot, uh, but I, I do think it was a little bit different. If you grab someone by the jumper and you sling them and use that momentum for a slinging tackle as he did, uh, you know, clearly you put them in a position where they can be knocked out uh, and, and the player was in that instance. So that one was clearly a little bit different, but I think as far as actual two-motion proper tackles, but ones that can put leave a guy a little bit vulnerable, I think we've basically reached the point now where unless it's a, it's a driving tackle, then you should appeal it and you should expect to get off. I mean, they've set the precedent. They did it at the start of the year with Burgoyne then they tried to kind of fake clamp down on it. But we're back exactly where we were with the Burgoyne incident for mine. And this is, you know, whatever whatever it is, three months later, we're exactly back where we were. It makes no sense to me. I I don't, you know, am I happy that Dalhouse is playing as a a biased Geelong fan? Yes, but I I don't think he should be. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, it's, it's complete. Just there's so much... 
variability. Burgoyne should have got suspended, so they went. And it and, started there, didn't it? Yeah, it should have got suspended. And then, so then they didn't. And then they said, well, shit, we've got to do something here. We're going to suspend Crozier. People said, well, maybe that was the wrong decision. Oh, now we're going to let these guys off. Like, oh, I don't know which one it is anymore. And I think, again, when you look at it, in general, there's a consensus as to which ones are maybe suspension worthy and which ones aren't. And the tribunal seems to go the opposite direction on all of them. So as far as the rest of the news, the big news of certainly this morning, and, and this is one we've got over and over and over and wondered whether it was going to happen and what could uh, happen here. Joe Danaher is going to play on Thursday night. It's unbelievable. I didn't think we were actually going to get to this day. I, I, we've talked about it for a while, and we said that um, yeah, Tom Brown had said he was going to come back, so therefore we ruled it out. Um, <laughs> but he is ready to come back. Now, I am super interested to see what he looks like. Is he still going to be not not elite, but is he still going to be good? Um, he always had some problems with goal kicking in the past. Like, what's he what's he going to look like after this much time out of the game? I, I think he'll provide something, at least be able to know how to get to contest. But I think it's just the, a huge positive for him to be out there. And we talked about this, or I talked about this when we discussed Danaher before, that if there is that chance of re-injury, yeah, you have to you have to get him out there anyway because if you don't want if he's going to be leaving the club if he doesn't show at least anything you get nothing back from him in a trade so they have to get him out there and you have to see because I don't think his value could go down anymore if he didn't play the rest of this year. Well, they've got a real chance to win a game this week, and I've basically almost put a line through them. But having said that, if they beat the Hawks this week in a game that I'd be tipping them to win. Yeah, they should win, they should. particularly with the boost they get with Joe Danaher back in the team. And funnily enough, last week we spoke about Essendon uh, before that game against Richmond. And this is obviously the unfortunate thing of us doing this podcast and the, the team selections have been so random and the times they've been putting the teams out have been really weird. I, I spoke about how much they've missed Jake Stringer. He played a game, so he's, he might be better for the run. So all of a sudden now you look at the Essendon four line and you're like, oh, Joe Danaher, Jake Stringer's back. Okay, they've got something to work with here. So... While I have thought that certainly based on their form, uh, their last five games, four losses and a draw, uh, clearly they've done themselves no favours from a, a position where, you know, you think back five, six weeks ago, everyone was talking about the Bombers with the injury list, having that game in hand, that they were a team that was really in a good position to launch. Uh, now, maybe they're back in the outside top eight contention if they get a little bit of a boost from here. Joe, Joe Danaher can provide that target. Jack Stringer back in the team. Maybe the Essendon have still got life. Yeah, that, that's the thing we've talked about there, forward line. But getting these two guys back, because then it puts those other guys back into tertiary and quaternary type roles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good word for you guys to look up, quaternary. Um, I just said, I just, I just said yes because I, I'm just like, <laughs> that sounds pretty damn good. I'm going to roll with that. Um, it's just, it's just the one that comes after tertiary. <laughs> that's, that's all that means. Fourth option. Um, so that helps those guys because those players like Townsend, they're not number one options. Um, and James Stewart, like they're not those guys who are number one guys, but as a third or fourth option as guys who then work around the dangerous Stringer and uh, a, a fit Danaher, then it does make them a little bit more dangerous. And they should get this win over Hawthorne this week. So that is a, it's a huge boost for Essendon um, to, to get him back in a season that's been pretty disappointing for the vast majority of it. I think it's, I'll tell you what else is disappointing, Kane. Um, Tom Lynch being compared to Ivan Malat. <laughs> Listen, I don't even think, we've <laughs> spoken about Tom Lynch so much that I don't think I, we even need to bother so much with this, but I had to put it in there. Because Brendan Gale said that the treatment of Tom Lynch is, is comparable to Ivan Milat, or comparing that he is basically being treated like he's Ivan Milat. Richmond, fair dinkum, they are a chance to win another flag this year because they, they do look good on the field. They've still got some players to come back into the team, but they're the wooden spooners off the field. They've just had an absolute nightmare. Honestly, they, have, they can't go a week without saying something utterly ridiculous and just stupid. 
all we need is Alex Rance back to, to re-announce that he's returning yeah. and uh, some other nonsense to, to appear with him. And then, uh, then they'll get the complete, I was going to say a hat-trick, but it's been way more than three incidences. Uh, it's been absolutely ridiculous. So it is uh, a mailbag this week. Now, we didn't. Let's, let's just say we didn't exactly get inundated with questions. But by the way, we always do try and do this on a Wednesday and... Uh, but it doesn't really matter. We can do it any day. So at any time, you can get us at Locked On AFL on Twitter or LockedOnAFL at gmail.com. But we did get a really interesting email. And this came in. Uh, let me pull this up here. This came up from Monty in Virginia in the US. And first of all, let me just say, I, I, sometimes I forget that we have got some US listeners. And AFL obviously has become pretty popular over there, uh, perhaps even more so with the whole COVID situation, and they got a bit of momentum with being one of the only sports that was still running. But I will say, having lived over there the bulk of the last two years, AFL is on TV a little bit over there. So there is some fans. And so for that reason, I do have to uh, apologize for all my Mason Cox slander this year. <laughs> but here's the email. It's a bit of a long one, so uh, stick with me here. He says, I enjoyed Aussie Rules football when I saw it on TV here in the US in the early 2000s. Between a combo of moving to the East Coast and coverage, I haven't really caught many games over the years. That is until the pandemic. Now he's trying to watch as much as he can. Part of me wants to pick a team organically, but I also don't want to end up rooting for Donald Sterling era Clippers or Buffalo Bills, basically teams that are a huge laughing stock. Is there a chance you guys could do a newbie episode or series, possibly in the offseason, running down an insider's view of the teams? Maybe a bit on future outlook. This may all just come up during a season outlook episode uh, before next season too. Also, I can't uh, now I can't hear Lloyd without hearing that drop run through my head. So thanks for that. Thank you and keep up the good work. So I, I think that this is probably an off-season episode, but yeah. I, I did think it was interesting just to to quickly run through um, some teams that maybe would be interesting options to barrack for. Now, clearly, I live in Victoria, so I can rule out the big name teams. But if you had to suggest a team for someone to go for, what would you be looking for? And uh, what what direction would you steer them in? Well, yeah, aside from trying to recruit as many of my <laughs> American followers to uh, to the Western Bulldogs, which I do at every opportunity possible, I think what you're looking for is a team that's not... Uh, for me, I'm not looking for teams that are steeped in success. And yeah, you don't want to be one of those ones who started following a team and go, yeah, we've won 10 premierships. They're cool, but you didn't know the sport existed when that happened. So I think you want to be going for more teams that are looking for the future, a team that you can sort of be there as history builds, as yeah, as the best moments in team history start to happen. I think being or, or teams that have, that have struggled for a long time, but, but that, I guess that means sort of Carlton, a team who's had so much history has been terrible for a long time. And then hey, look at us, we're the Blues. We've won sixteen flags. When you become good thirty years after the last time, I'm not sure that's the way to go. So I, my brain automatically goes: the team that needs the support is the Gold Coast Suns. They're playing exciting footy. They've got Matt Rowell, who could very easily become a top three player in the league at some point, plus Anderson, Lacocious, Miller, Rankin, all these young guys that you can watch grow from the beginning of their careers and be there for a team that hasn't had success and see that start to develop. It may never come. But I think getting on board with a team like Gold Coast in in this time is is an interesting move. And again, I, I don't want I don't want to say you go for the Western Bulldogs, so that's of course who I would say. And also wouldn't say, hey, 
go for Essendon or your choose Collingwood as your teams, but because I don't think that's sort of where you want to go. But the, the easiest way, of course, is just watching games and see which colours you know take your eye, which teams, which players do you like, which game style do you like at the moment. But all that stuff is subject to change. I'm I'm looking at your Gold Coast as an option just because it gives you that growth with them, a team that doesn't have that history, and you can start to develop that history with them. Yeah, I've got five teams that have won stuff all. Don't take this personally, uh, Josh, but <laughs> Bulldogs, St. Kilda, Melbourne, Gold Coast and Frio are the five options I would throw up there as would be interesting teams uh, to go for. I think actually most of, all of those five teams are going to be you know, at least relatively successful over the in the near future, which will be fun. But also when they win, you don't feel like ultimately you're a huge bandwagon fan if you just barrack with Collingwood. Like, who cares? If you jump on the Collingwood train and they win a flag, nobody cares. No one's going to give you any respect for that. So I would jump on one of those five teams. Or I guess if you had to, jump on a team that hasn't won a grand final in nearly a decade like the Cats, but that's up to you. <laughs> but I, I think it's it's an interesting topic. And maybe in the offseason we'll go through and, and run through a few more of the basics, I guess, of AFL. Because it's true. We do have uh, US listeners, and I know a few people that have spoke to me that have said that they have enjoyed tuning into the podcast, but even still... Uh, sometimes they don't have a damn clue what the hell we're on about, which makes a, which makes uh, a lot of sense as well. We are in the middle of the week, so we're sort of in that weird position. Doubleheader on Thursday night. We're going to start transitioning into next week's footy. But I wanted to go back before we did. We spoke about the West Coast a lot. Clearly, they're in a really, really good position. They're in the box seat to you know, potentially lock up a top two spot. Uh, when I did my ladder prediction for the rest of the year, I don't have them losing another game. That does start with a pretty big clash against the Tigers this week. We know now that they're probably going to play a home final as well in Perth. So if they get top two, they are on the short path to the grand final. But the form of Jeremy McGovern, Josh, over the last few weeks, it's kind of easy to forget how much footy he's missed this week. He's only played uh, this year. He's only played seven games. Uh, He's rounding into his best form, and his performance against GWS on Sunday was uh, pretty damn special. His form... And much like Tim Kelly at the start of the year reflected the West Coast Eagles in general. Both guys were way off where they needed to be. Like, we know what Jeremy McGovern does. We know that when the ball's kicked in that forward 50, he's just going to be there and he's going to take a mark. Like, that's just what's going to happen with him most of the time. But for those first four games of the season, he just wasn't. He was nowhere near where he needed to be. The Eagles were nowhere near where they needed to be. But... As they've gone back home, as they've gotten the shit off their liver from being up in Queensland to begin the season and started to actually focus on what they needed to do. And McGovern was obviously not right because he had that incident against Gold Coast where he punched Sexton in the face um, and got suspended for it, rightfully so. And then had that ankle problem. A whole bunch of stuff was going wrong with him, but he is back. And it is, I'm not saying that he is necessarily the key indicator of them, but he's one of them. And if he is on, how hard is it to get into that? Um, to get into that forward 50 if you're an opposing team where you know that he covers just so much extra space and you have to be so precise to get it in when he's in there. So it's interesting. This game is the second of the doubleheader on Thursday night. It's just going to be an absolute belter. Richmond and West Coast, they're back in Queensland. So this is where things get a little interesting for them. Funnily enough, I'm not a gambling man, but I've just got the AFL website up and the Tigers are the favourites in the betting, which is kind of interesting. I probably wouldn't have them in that position, although they have been settled in Queensland for a lot longer than West Coast. But the last two weeks, and uh, there's a really good story over on statsinsider.com.au, so you really should check that out. But some of the numbers 
from McGovern on the weekend. And remember, he was playing on Jeremy, Jeremy Cameron in this game, and the Giants had a lot of the footy in the fourth quarter. They were really pressing. He took five intercept marks in the fourth quarter alone and had eight for the game, uh, which is the most this season. Over the last two weeks, uh, he's averaged 17 disposals and nine marks, so he is absolutely back to his best. Uh, and, and the Eagles are going to need him. And this week, uh, maybe it's Jack Rewalt, maybe it's Tom Lynch, but either one of those guys are going to have their work cut out. And if the Ford 50 entries aren't perfect, McGovern's probably going to swallow it up. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And I'm I'm also surprised that Richmond is the favourite. I think there is some bias there in terms of looking at West Coast's Queensland form earlier this year that, that's gone into that because on recent form, you'd have to say that West Coast is playing the better footy than Richmond at the moment. Um, and that is that is an interesting uh, decision to have them as uh, as the favourites, but this could be telling. Now the West the you know, home final is something that you mentioned, and that is big for them. But they need to do something away from Optus Stadium, and this is the perfect opportunity against a really good team to show that no, we're we're good. We've got our heads back on. We know where we're at. It's not just a home ground uh, bully type scenario. We can actually beat these guys uh, on the road. A really good team uh, back where we had so many troubles to begin this season. So it is, it is a key game for them. But I'm uh, I'm pretty confident they're going to get it done. Yeah, I mean, when I, again, to go back, and this just gives you an idea of how tight this is going to be at the end of the season. And uh, and if you do do your own prediction, let us know uh, what you came up with. But yesterday on the pod, I mentioned I had the Cats finish in fourth and the Tigers fifth. Now, in my predictions for the run home, I had the Tigers beat in Geelong, but they still fall two points short of the Cats at the end of the year. And part of that was because I have West Coast beating the Tigers. So, you know, I mean, you talk about what this means for the top four moving forward at the end of the year as well. This isn't just a measuring stick game. The winner of this game really puts themselves in a great position for that double chance. And again, I I disagree with anyone that thinks that the top four means uh, less than it does any other year. I think it means more because it's super competitive this year. And I think the bottom end of the eight, the seventh and eight positions, you don't want to be playing them in a neutral ground in an elimination final. So uh, this game just has all kinds of implications for both teams. Yes, I agree. Now, I don't know. This news, I think, has just come in. We talked about the tribunal before, but I might as well get it out now that Dylan Grimes and Nick Vloston have both had their staging fines dismissed. So they've been cleared of staging. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the tribunal, to be honest, because uh, they they're now have not been fined for staging. I couldn't believe that they actually even tried to appeal that. I mean, and they if, won. If, they they won the appeal. I don't. <laughs> you may as well just not have staging anymore. Like, don't have it as a as a thing that you can get fined for. Like, there's there's no point because the the Vlosten one um, certainly he put more on it, but the Grimes one he wasn't even touched. And he cost a team a goal at a critical point of the game. So is this something that happens across the league? Yes, it is. But if you're going to do that, then don't complain this week when an opposition player does it against your team. And because the league has basically said that it doesn't matter. Go out there and stage. We're not going to do anything about it. Uh, we have no interest in stamping this out of the game. So this is this is on the league because that's ridiculous. It is. I, I, yeah, I, I can't believe I can't believe what has gone on with the tribunal in all of these decisions all week. It has been uh, an absolute nightmare for them, and uh, I don't know. I don't know where it goes from here because that is uh, that is staggering to me. But what I did want to talk about that I saw from the weekend is over in Western Australia again, and that is Fremantle. They are building something, Kane, because we know they started out horribly and they lost their first four. And we talked about, hey, they're not that far off. They're playing okay, but since then they've won five of their last eight. They've won three of their last four. Yes, against Sydney, Hawthorne, but there was a Collingwood win in there. 
they beat St. Kilda. Um, they've had some decent enough wins, and they're building something. We've talked about Luke Ryan plenty of times. He's he's going to be in the All-Australian squad, for sure. In that 40-man squad, I'm, I'm confident he's going to be in there. Matt Taberner has kicked a goal every single game. Caleb Sarong has shown plenty. Brayshaw has looked good. Um, and then... This is not. I don't even think Fife's had a real dominating season for them. Like he's only he's averaging twenty two touches, which is the most. But yeah, Brayshaw with twenty touches. Michael Walters is super exciting down there. You've got these other guys like Echera and Sarong, yeah, putting up some good numbers. Darcy Tucker had played well early in the season. Uh, they're they're starting to really build something. And this is without guys like Griffin Logue, who I thought looked really good at the beginning of the season, and he's been injured now. He's only played the five games. He's another one of those players. Uh, Frederick I thought looked yeah you know, pretty solid when he's been out there. We've only got three games out of Jesse Hogan. I think they're starting to build something under a new coach, and I like the style that Justin Longmuir is bringing to this team. But they are a squad that has got that, a couple of those key pieces in, that running, rebounding defender in Luke Ryan, the midfield guys, Brayshaw, Fife, uh, Walters pushing up that, and dangerous half-forward type like Walters, but also the forward pressure type as well, like a Darcy Tucker. These guys, these are key sort of positions to really build into a, a team that's going to push for the finals in the next couple of years, get a solid a couple of draft picks in, be active at the trade period. But I've been really impressed with what they've done all season, but especially over the last eight weeks. Yeah, Nat Fife is either injured still a little bit and sore, or he's just super unselfish. And it wouldn't surprise me if he's just super unselfish because, uh, you know, you watch him play this year and yes, he does go into the middle at times and he's still his usual self, but he also goes up forward and he has such a big impact. Another two goal assists on the weekend in a game that uh, there, there just wasn't that many goals kicked. It was, it was kind of hard work this game if you got the chance to watch it uh, at home. And again, the major ball winners, I mean, you're touching on it. It's the young guys. Like, yes, Fife and Mundy are up there and they're going to continue to win the footy. Mundy, I think, has had a, a pretty damn good season after... Yeah, probably some people questions whether he was at the end of the road. He's probably got another year in him, it feels like. But again, yeah, Sarong, Schultz, as you mentioned, I mean, you can keep going through these ga- uh, through these names. Duman, Connor Blakely, Chera, uh, they've got a whole bunch of them. And uh, I think we've flagged them for a few weeks now as a team to watch. But they come up against a Sydney team that, uh, you know, did have to travel. And it's a little bit difficult with a young team backing it up after a really impressive win uh, the week before against GWS. But yeah, Frio... They're quickly becoming a team that you don't want to play. And I think for a young team, that competitive nature that they have, it does show signs of being of a team that's on the rise. And we've seen it from the Gold Coast this year that, again, while they've lacked the finishing touches that time and they, and they haven't been able to win games over the last six, seven weeks, I think Frio is kind of... Uh, they're an under-the-radar Gold Coast. Now, do they have the top, the absolute top-level nah, uh, players? Not. Maybe not. But I, I do think that they, they've got that competitiveness level that uh, the Gold Coast have. And, and that that's the first sign of a young team that's on the rise. Yeah, a guy like Luke Ryan, we've talked about him a lot, but he is number one in the AFL in rebound 50s per game and number one in intercepts per game. He's eighth yeah. in meters gained per game. He's fourth in kicks per game. You know, some of those numbers he was racking up because he was you know getting all the kickouts, especially in that game against Geelong. But that doesn't—that's not what intercepts are. Like he's reading the ball well and he's pumping it forward and getting it out of defense and he's being accurate when he does it. And he's just—he's he's twentieth also in total one percent. So he's doing some hard things as well. And it's—it's it's really important for a twenty-four-year-old with sixty games under his belt, like really sort of stepping up to be that you know, sub-elite, close to elite, very good type uh, running intercepting defender. That's that's huge for him. 26 possessions again. I mean, I, I mentioned it in a game against Carlton 
if Frio went down, obviously in pretty miraculous circumstances, but it wasn't through no fault of Luke Ryan. They probably would have lost by four goals if it wasn't for him. Uh, I mentioned this the other day, but he started to get some buzz on the national broadcasts over the weekends for All-Australian as well. I agree. I mean, I've almost got him as a lock now, particularly because Frio continued to win games. I mean, they're not a, they're not a laughingstock. Remember, they lost their first five, and it was at the start of the year. It looked like it was a battle between the Dockers and the Crows to who would win their first game. Well, Frio, just based on points, they're kind of sitting with teams that still think they're a finals chance. Yeah. And we don't talk about Frio in that in that vein, and I don't think they're going to make it. It would, it would take an absolute miracle. But, you know, there's some teams out there that rate themselves as a finals team, and Frio's right there with them. Yeah, exactly. They are yeah five and seven now. That, that's not far off. It's one game behind GWS, which is comical <laughs> when you think this of the beginning of the season and after round four this season. It's comical to think that Fremantle's there, but they're pretty exciting. So good things happening over in the West. That's another one for you, Monty, to keep an eye on as a team to watch, a young team that's you know, just at the turning point of that rebuild. So just keep an eye on the Dockers, Kane. I reckon that'll wrap us up for today before we get fined for staging. In this one, uh, thank you again for another episode. Thank you for holding down the fort yesterday as well. Uh, I I struggled, but I got the job done. But I was very glad that you're back today. And uh, I guess we'll be hanging out again tomorrow. We will be, guys. Subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and go give us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts today. I'm going to leave you with a shout-out to Henry Playfair. <laughs>